Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. And we're into extra time! Kia ora, welcome to the final edition of Extra Time for 2020. I'm Stephen Hewson. Well, as the year comes to a close, it's time to look back at the good, the bad and the ugly of 2020 and just ask what 2021 may have in store for us all. Joining me on the programme today are Hamish Bidwell, Alice Soper, Bridget Tunneycliffe and Joe Porter. We'll also hear from All Blacks skipper Sam Kane, Silver Ferns coach Nolan Todora and Black Caps coach Gary Steads. Well, where to begin? I suppose given the impact of COVID-19 this year, let's at least start on a, a positive note, maybe just rather than uh, thinking back on that too much at this stage. Uh, things may well end up in a tailspin from there, but let's try and at least make it a, a glass-half-full approach first up. Uh, despite that approach, I'm, I'm going to ask you first, Hamish, <laughs> on uh, give us something good about 2020. I was really glad that community sport got played. Uh, club rugby, club cricket, softball, football alike. Um I'm a big advocate of community sport. I'm less enthused about professional sport that helps pay my way. Um, and so, yeah, no, the fact that we were able to be well here, that the COVID-19 outbreak was managed well, and um, that, relatively speaking, we could continue life as normal and um, and play sport and congregate and all that, I was really pleased with that. You know, I haven't been that enthused about some of the professional sport I've seen. It's a money grab and it turns me off a bit, but... I was really pleased that as community we were out to get out there together and play stuff. Yeah, that, that's a, a, I mean, I'm only doing this on, on feeling that we've realised the importance of community sport and people have got into to that and the heading back or following a professional sport, people may be going, well, actually, that, that wasn't quite so important to me. Maybe that's what COVID has shown us. I was astonished that day when the All Blacks played the Wallabies in Wellington and there were empty seats in the stands. I thought, honestly, they'd be, you know, swinging from the rafters. But we sort of, we were told about this love affair between the, the you know, the All Blacks and, and the nation and, and how much professional sport is exciting and fantastic. And they, but people didn't go. I mean, lots of people did go, but there were still empty seats and I didn't expect to see that. I think people were just happy to be at home and happy to be doing things in their communities. And I, I reckon that's really nice. I think the isolation, people missed each other and they wanted to get back together. And I think that's been one of the real benefits, as you say, of if there has such a thing, of, of this experience. Alice, uh, starting on a, a positive note, what, what was good about 2020? All the women in charge. Um, of course I would say that. So starting with our Prime Minister, of course, who steered us through. But also for me, it's the women that are now sitting in top jobs at the end of this year that weren't there at the beginning. So the fact that we've got a finally a head of uh, New Zealand sport that is a woman. How good, how long has that taken? How ridiculous that it has. But to have uh, Raylan Cast, I believe I said this during one of our COVID conversations that we should be offering her a job. So they've done that. And um, she's, you know, taken over the reins there. But also to see Sophie Maloney take on the role at Sky Sport, or like Sky, but particularly for Sky Sport, that's going to be a good thing for us to have a woman in charge there too. It's just, I think, going to continue on the um, trend that we saw there from our sports broadcaster around bringing more women involved into the um, into the coverage. So that's cool. So I'm excited to see women taking up more space 
Um, and also not settling as well, because I think as much as we can talk about the positive impacts of COVID, I think some of the hardest hit were the women community around the world um, when we were looking at what came back and obviously how we sit as being non-professional, that then means that we don't necessarily have our games come back. But women weren't going to take that lying down. So that was a, a good thing I saw too, was some activism taking place uh, for women in sports. Bridget, first up, just your, your thoughts on a, on a positive note. Um, oh, it was really cool seeing uh, crowds at Claudelands Arena for the uh, three test series, uh, Silver Ferns against the England Roses. Uh, that was pretty cool. And um, just the uh, the fact that we managed to have a full ANZ Premiership competition, uh, there was a, a delay and then was on hold for a while. And initially, uh, the first, I think, six rounds of the uh, resume competition took place in Auckland. Um, and then it spread around the country. So, I, yeah, it was good to see uh, Netball New Zealand being really flexible. Mm. Uh, Nolene Toro, the Silver Ferns coach, Bridget caught up with her earlier and... Uh, she sort of spoke to her about 2020, and according to Dame Nolene, the most pleasing aspect for her didn't actually come through international opposition. I think our men's final, um, the Silver Ferns against the men in the final of Cadbury series, I think uh, we actually took a, um, a great leap in overall performance, um, and the shift that we um, made in regards to just mentally preparing ourselves to take the physicality on um, I think that was massive um, and a great step up from what we did uh, last year leading into the world. So I'm really pleased with that. I think there's still work to be done on our consistency, uh, you know, because we weren't able to bring it um, uh, for our first test against uh, the England um, uh, Roses. So we had gone a wee bit backwards but also noting that uh, I know with the planning as well that there was going to be some uh, residue that was going to come out of the build-up that we had. That's Dame Nolene Tauru. Bridget, I suppose one thing that was missing was any tests against arch-rivals Australia. What's the latest on that? And just, I mean, how important is it that the Silver Ferns are measuring themselves against Australia? Yeah, pretty important. They're still ranked number one in the world. Um, the series, the Constellation Cup series this year had to be postponed. Just wasn't um, uh, possible logistically, really, with quarantine requirements and everything. Uh, when I spoke to Dame Nolene last week, she's absolutely hanging out for an announcement on that. In Netball New Zealand, uh, the aim is to host all four of those tests in early February next year, and they're basically just waiting on the green light from the government. Uh, the last time that we went a calendar year without playing the Diamonds was way back in 1988. That was when Lois Muir was still coaching. Um, so I think there'll be a lot of um, huge interest around that. Um, during that series, it'll be interesting to see who emerges as the starting centre. Will it be Shannon Saunders? Will it be Claire Kirsten? Uh, the last time we played the Diamonds, Laura Lamb was still on the side, and it did feel at times that she was sort of taking every second pass. So uh, there, we can't underestimate um, filling the gap that Laura Langman leaves. Uh, Maya Wilson passed every test with flying colours this year, but she didn't come up against Australian defenders, so I'm interest, interested to see how she does there. Um, basically, at every post-match press conference um, this year um, in that uh, series against England Roses, Nolene Toto mentioned the Com Games and World Cups during every post-match press conference. So she is looking fully looking at the big picture, and having a series against Australia is a big part of teaching her uh, where we might have shortcomings. Yeah, Joe Porter, uh, looking back on 2020, um, what sort of springs to mind for you? 
Well, I agree with Hamish. The return of community sport was, was great for this country and something that I guess people had underestimated how much it means to the community and, and for people's social lives and just having that sense of being involved and catching up with friends and something to look forward to. So to see club sport being able to get back on its feet and run thanks to our, our country's response to COVID-19 was, was a great highlight. Um, in terms of international stuff, uh, I thought you know guys like Israel Adesanya should be given plenty of credit. He's defended his middleweight UFC title twice this year. Um, he's had to go overseas on multiple occasions to quarantine at both sides has even helped his teammates in their corners and gone back overseas and done the quarantine thing again so a lot of work not only in the octagon for Israel Adesanya but also outside of it helping his teammates really uh, some big self-sacrifices there from him and, and he's been quite entertaining on social media too um, Scott McLaughlin Scott Dixon winning of course the uh, IndyCar title for the sixth time Dixon and McLaughlin winning the Supercars Australian Supercars title for a second time and getting his shot in Indy. So some good results for, for New Zealand motorsport drivers. Um, and, and, yeah, like Bridget mentioned as well, live crowds, that was something that was good to see. It was pretty weird watching games without any crowds there and nice for people to be able to get back out and enjoy sort of live sport and have that sense of, of normality. I thought Super Rugby Aotearoa was, was a success. I thought the games were really good. Tight contest between New Zealand teams that really gave it their all and it was, it was a compelling competition. Uh, and the, the Black Fern Sevens, yeah, year truncated very early in the piece but showing again their dominance looking odds on to win the Olympic gold next year in Tokyo if it happens uh, with their defence of their World Series title so those are the sort of uh, things on the field and off that I enjoyed about this year. Uh, We are into summer Um, here's a few thoughts from Black Caps coach Gary Stead on what he saw as the highlights for 2020. Playing cricket again feels like a high to me because I thought for I think for a long time we weren't sure if we're playing international cricket so to have the crowds come in I know, speaking to some of the West Indies staff, they were so excited around the basin being nearly full there and having crowds in and watching cricket again. And, and they said the uniqueness of what we have in New Zealand is, is pretty special. And that's nice to hear as well. I, I guess it, it signals we're, we're doing the right thing from a government point of view and, and what we've done, done around COVID and, and controlling and eliminating that. But also, I think, what New Zealand cricket's done in terms of being able to get where we're at is, is, is very good. Hamish, twenty twenty. What are you going to see the see the the back of the, or the ugly side of it? That's um, sort of spun your wheels. I'm not big on sport for sport's sake. Do you know what I mean? Or sport for uh, profit's sake? Or sport for paying people's salary's sake? And it needs to have context. There needs to be some point to playing. There needs to be winners and losers. There needs to be a sense that the competition aspect is the most important one. And I don't think we saw that a lot. And I understand the commercial pressures that. Um, sports face, and I understand the wage bills uh, that players and the burden that places on organisations and clubs and what have you, but it turned me off. I I spent actually quite a lot of this year not watching sport of various types because I just, the games were being played to generate revenue to pay players, and that's not, for me, um, a reason for sport to be played, and so I'd like to see if we could see the back of something, I'd like to see the back of that. I'd like to see a return to I mean, it's great that people, someone like Nolene Torua, for instance, is mentioning pinnacle events because pinnacle events matter. You know, your career is defined by your success or failure in those events. And, and we didn't have that this year. We just had sport to pay people's wages. And that, you know, that lacked a bit of something for me. Alice, your thoughts? Uh, I think for me it would be a uh, let's leave behind not believing women when they're calling things out because it seems like we're already doing that again. Um, We've seen just in the last couple of days another one of the canoeists that has stepped away from that environment. 
it's I think we're going to leave behind the attitude that we're just going to continue on with how things have been going because I don't think if anybody thinks that uh, women are just going to continue to be quiet in these spaces they're dead wrong so it's about time that we start to change that attitude and actually listen to athletes listen to what they're telling you about environments listen to what is actually going on on the ground and move things forward because like Hamish says we've rushed back to resume things as normal but I think like COVID with everything just highlighted all of the issues that we had across the board it was a slow bleed and then it was a fast one and now we've gone back to the slow bleed again so I'd like to see a change of attitudes from those at the top to really look at valuing not just financially but people the people that are playing the game as well and supporting them to be able to do their best um so I'm I don't think we're going to see the end of that I think we're going to continue to see things uh, bleed into next year because things haven't been addressed but I hope that we're going to leave a I guess a lack of enthusiasm for change um, behind. Bridget, what are you going to be see? Or you know, disappointments perhaps, or glad to see the back of for twenty twenty. Ah, well, in terms of what's kind of annoyed me is the fact that Sky um, lost... You you don't get annoyed by too many things, Bridget. No, (laughs) that Sky lost um, the Black Cats of Cricket coverage, and I already pay about $95 for my Sky subscription each month. And basically, all I the only things I watch now, the only thing I have it for now is the netball, and UK TV. <laughs> Those are the only two things I have it for. They've lost so much stuff, yet the monthly subscription hasn't coming hasn't come down. And if I want to watch, and I really like cricket over summer, and uh, to have to pay for Spark now, mm. I just don't think I can afford that. And if I can't afford it, um, half the population probably can't afford it. And if you're not getting exposed to some of those sports at a young age, uh, are you going to get less interest in them? So, yeah, it's, it's annoying. Joe? <laughs> it's been a long year. I'm fairly drained, to be honest. <laughs> I think the biggest thing or the hardest thing for me, if uh, really as a, as a journalist, has been the uncertainty around everything, to be perfectly honest. Um, start of the year coming down from sort of the World Cup of last year, getting ready to get up again for the Tokyo Olympics, among other things. And then just having, yeah, so much uncertainty throughout the year. Will this happen? Will it not happen? Will it get delayed next? Will it get pushed back? Will it be cancelled in its entirety? Uh, so much speculation about will the All Blacks play, won't they? Will they go to rugby, the rugby championship? Will, will it be in Australia? Will it be in New Zealand? What is the government doing? That every day the news would change and it was so hard to keep up with all the different speculation that you ended up just running yourself round in circles and, you know, I guess the lesson was you're better off just taking each day as it comes and not trying to speculate or figure things out too far in the future because every time you th- thought you had a plan in place, something would change and throw it out the window. So I believe that's probably a feeling for a lot of people around the world in all sorts of industries this year. But for me, that's been quite draining, just the fact that everything has been so up in the year and so changeable. I'd really like some routine back in my life. Uh, thoughts too, possibly echoed by All Blacks <laughs> skipper uh, Sam Kane. I think the worst thing, like as a whole, not just for me personally, is, has been COVID and the effect that it's had on uh, the country and the world, and you know people being made redundant and in you know, pretty tough spots. And I think certainly remember during the lockdown about hearing all these people being made redundant and their lives changing, and that was you know not feeling like you can't help, but also feeling like lucky that it wasn't affecting us too much, but a little bit guilty, if that makes sense, in another sense, that, that it didn't, didn't really affect us. That was a pretty shitty feeling. Hamish, 2021, is it, is it going to be any better? Well, it's not off to a good start, mate, I'll be honest with you. Like, um, a couple of things in just the last day have really left me a bit perplexed and a bit dismayed. Um, Tiger Woods has been a commodity since he was, like, three years old. He's, his life's been played out in the media. It's 
been a pretty up and down ride. I don't know why. I just cannot for the life of me understand why he's exposing his own son to this now. They're playing in a father-son tournament on the PGA Tour. It's a bit of a, a laugh. But the kid, the kid's 11 years old. Like, why on earth? You know, it's all really well for Tiger, who's a professional golfer. But why is he exposing his son when he knows how bad it is to be in the limelight, potentially? Well, I just can't understand why he's exposing his son to that. And then there's this cobbler's with the Russian Olympic stuff. Like, I'm just going to be yeah. straight up about this. There are there are knights and dames in Britain who have flouted rules and never faced any consequences, but we only ever um, focus on, like, Russia. We've still got this Cold War mentality, you know, communist, bad, you know, Western world, good. You know, it's just absolute nonsense. There's a guy like Mo Farah who has documented he's, he's missed um, the, the maximum number of whereabouts tests and never faced suspension or sanction. He has worked with Roberto Salazar, a convicted uh, band coach who's administered drugs to athletes, but not to Mo. Mo's since decamped to Ethiopia, where the testing and whereabouts stuff is, is minimal. Worked with another um, band coach, Jama Aiden. Like, I just, there are people in plain sight from supposed good countries, this is a bit like animal farming, all this kind of lucky, good countries who are able to do things with impunity, but these terrible Russians, these dastardly Cold War fiends, you know, they're like, out to be punished, and I just we if I've I'm really tried to be uh, into like things being fair income, and some of my views are a bit extreme on that. But I get brassed off when things are um, not transparent, when there are rules for some and different rules for others. That it really brasses me off, and I, I, I I'm into fairness and um, authenticity, and I just too much of sport uh, to me appears to be corrupt or subjective or. Um, not down the middle, and I that really brushes me off, as I say. And so the Russian thing, I, I, you know, I have trouble with that because I don't believe that there is only one country in the world who checks that sport. It's a, it's a, or the, or at the level that state sponsored the the whole program was though. Yes, but some of the retrospective testing of the 2012 London Olympics show it's the dirtiest Olympics that's ever been. Do you know what I mean? But we don't hear about this because it's not convenient. It doesn't suit the narrative that we have about what's good and what's bad. I just don't. I mean. <laughs> Sport in Britain is funded through the lotteries. You know, we've the, the British head cycling uh, doctor Richard Freeman has been in court all year trying to defend deliveries of testosterone, and he's been destroying laptops and saying he can't give evidence, and he's been breaking his phone and saying, "Oh, I've got no record of that. I didn't keep records of what I gave to the athletes." Like, there, it's, it's that's not state sponsored. When when the government pays the money and uh, national bodies administer the supplements if we call it that way and then they don't have a record of it like that's that's the same thing but we we want to condemn these other people it's just not it's just not you know it's not real it's something that's not going to go any anyway go away anytime soon is it Uh... no and that's the frustration right is that um and it turns me off it turns me towards community sport where it is what it is do you know what i mean like it's the level's not the same and, and, and it's the excitement and the skill and all that, but it's it's real. Do you know what I mean? You can trust the results. You can rely on the people. You know what I mean? You little Johnny wins if little Johnny's better than, you know, little Jackie. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's not about what country you come from or how much money's been pumped in or what you're taking that people don't know about. Alice, what are you looking forward to most in twenty twenty one? The uh the rugby world cup might be uh <laughs> bite me on yeah, your radar. Pretty, odds on, of course. No, and I'm looking forward to people talking about women's rugby. Um, a heck of a lot more than we do normally. Um, and I'm looking forward to having some tough conversations um, about women's rugby too, because right now 
I'm in the middle of surveying our playing population. There is a group of us who are, are looking to find out exactly what's going on on the ground, whether that's we're doing a Farah Palmer player review and a grassroots survey. And I can tell you some of the things that are already coming in on that are going to lead to some tough conversations for uh, the powers that be. Um, give, give us to, a taste, uh, Alice. Give us on. a taste. Well, I can tell you that the uh, north and south pools that were, you know, the thing that came in this year have been universally panned by players. Um, quite, you know, as you would imagine, um, smaller developing areas saying it's going to be really tough for them to retain um, any talent um, if they're going to have to, you know, turn up for hidings every week. Not to mention how tough it is to get time off work from your boss if you're just going to go get smashed. Um, and then, of course, uh, the, even the northern teams are saying, well, actually... Our pool was a lot harder, and so the playoffs were a bit of a joke. It was a pretty straight line for Southern Pools um, to get to finals, whereas it was a real, you know, fist fight in the north. So that's one thing. They've already seen NZR out of step with um, player base because players uh, don't want that again, and I know that NZR is favouring it and even maybe favouring it for the men too. So that's going to be one fight we'll have, and I'm sure there'll be plenty more, but... The main thing is it's going to be about having some real conversations about how to make our sport, you know, be able to leverage this amazing opportunity that we have in hosting the world's best um, and how can we actually look at growing our game and putting some real legacy programs and some, addressing some real fundamental issues so that we can get the most out of our athletes. And, and so I'm looking forward to having those conversations. And the Black Ferns need to play some games pretty shortly. That some international too. tests. <laughs> Hopefully against Australia with the bubble potentially opening up. But they need some oh, tests yeah, but, in the first half of the year before this World Cup. But also forget Australia. Australia's never beat New Zealand. I'm not even That's bothered true. by them. I want to play uh, Canada. I want to play the US. I want to play England, please. And maybe France. You know, the, the reality is, as we always talk about the bubble with Australia, that's a cute hangover from men. That's us following the men because, you know, that's our traditional men's rival. But when it comes to the women, they've never beat us. So it's, you know, they tell us... I, I think, to be fair, play... Alice, it might be a wee bit more of a... That's actually a, an easier job to do <laughs> than an England bubble. It. It's <laughs> a reality of it. <laughs> we, we oh, yeah, but I would say Samoa. You know, we write yep. Samoa off. We write sure. off playing the Pacific Islands because we say they're not good enough. Well, neither's Australia. So let's, um, you know, let, let's play our Pacific sisters as well. They might not beat us, but the hits will be better. Um, so I would love to see more of those matches. Joe, 2021, you might you might get to the Tokyo Olympics, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, perhaps. Who knows? It's hard to tell at this point in time. I wouldn't put my money on anything happening or not happening. But with this, with the vaccine going around and, and you know, some strides being made there, it does look like things will begin to open up in terms of borders and international events and the ability to cover those. It would be great to get over to Tokyo for the Olympics. I'm not sure what for, shape or form they will take. It, it looks like it will be a slightly pared-down version um, the rugby, the Women's World Cup being at the back end of the year, very exciting to look forward to that. Hopefully things have, have calmed down around the world by then. I think it should be a great tournament. Good time of the year up the northern half of, of the North Island to really showcase the country, and that should be a great opportunity for the Black Ferns to really get to uh, show their wares on home soil in front of some home fans that haven't seen them play enough. But yes, they do need to play a fair few more games before that shows up. Uh, and, and, you know, Super Rugby Aotearoa back, hopefully that will go as well as it did this year, and we get some Trans-Tasman crossovers as well something to look forward to in, in the rugby space. And we get to get a real test, hopefully, if the All Blacks do play all their tests next year, of what Coach Ian Foster and Captain Sam Kane are doing with this side and whether or not they're up to it, looking forward to the 2023 World Cup in France. Uh, Bridget, Alice may not be up for playing Australia, but I imagine you might want to see the Silver Ferns <laughs> playing the Diamonds. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just can't wait for it. I think it'll be awesome. Um, 
And uh, this is a long way ahead, but uh, when they recently announced the new sports that were going to be included in the um, uh, the following uh, the Paris Olympics, yeah, the Paris yep. Olympics, and I'm I'm not a fan of sports like tennis, football, rugby being included in the Olympics. I think it's ridiculous. They've got other tournaments that are more important to those players than what the Olympics are. So I just I think if you if if it's more important for you to, for you to win Wimbledon than it is to win the Olympics, that should be the measure. Why include it in the Olympics? But I have to say that I think that breaking, break dancing, yeah. could actually be really entertaining. It, that you, you watched him, the physicality, um, and I think that could be a real, um, it could become, you know how people just love watching the gymnastics because it's just kind of really entertaining and they've got the music going. I think the breaking could take off and it takes him back to the 1980s and the break dancing and the, on the streets and the... You're, you're trying to relive your childhood, <laughs> is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. And the ghetto blasters. The ghetto blasters. Oh, and Paris Goebel. She's going to be, she's, you know, ace in the hole in that regard. Like, yeah. How many times have we won hip-hop champions? She's won a, you know, the, her crew has won hip-hop champs a million times over. So, you know, mm. we've, we've got a good middle chance with that spot too. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Sounds like a great way to, to wrap up 2020. Thank you very much to all of you. It brings us to the end of extra time for another week and for the year. My thanks to Hamish Bidwell, Alice Soper, Bridget Tunnicliffe and Joe Porter and all of those who have joined us in 2020. You can find extra time on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, iHeartRadio and, of course, rnz.co.nz. Give us a rating if you would. That helps a whole lot. It means other listeners can find us much more easily. I'm Stephen Hewson. On behalf of the Extra Time team, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Hi, Nina. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.